Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today are five hunting buddies. Their names are Noah A, Noah B, Ben, Luke, and Ryan. And these guys make up the Midwest Outdoor Chasers. We're going to be talking about everything, how they got started, what they do in the outdoor space, what they have coming up, and so much more. It is going to be an awesome episode. I always like having big groups of guys together on the show. So let's jump in right now. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show and joining me on the show today. I've got the Midwest Outdoor Chasers, basically, is who I'm sitting here talking to. Um, so, guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks yeah, for having us. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. So, I got to know, where did this idea come from? Because everybody's like, hey, I want to get in the outdoor industry. I want to start filming my hunts. Who came up with this? And then, how did everybody get involved? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, my name's Noah. Um, Noah Allman. Uh, we got another Noah here, too. His his name's Noah Bertelson. So, you know, when you hear those names, no uh, A, no B. Yep, no A, no B. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, in 2016, um, a buddy and I, we were, he's actually not not with us anymore, but I'll get to that. Um, 2016, um, a buddy and I, we were, you know, we're like, let's let's start a page where we share pictures of what people in our community has shot. Um, so we're you know, we, we decided to make a page, uh, you know, we, we had a few people send some stuff in of, uh, animals that they've shot and it was all good. And then all of a sudden more people started sending stuff, more people. And then we got bigger to where we started covering a whole bunch of States, um, bunch of different, com uh, countries. Um, then few, actually a few years ago, uh, my buddy actually, you know, he called me up and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm too busy to do, keep doing this. Uh, no hard feelings. And I'm like, okay. Um, didn't really know how I felt. I mean, I was, I was still kind of shocked. Um, but I, I was at that point, I was like, do I keep going with this? Um, do I give it up? I mean, we're not really making any, any movement. Um, so I called my brother, Luke, um, he ended up telling me, Hey, I'll do it with you. So I'm like, okay, great. Um, and then I, you know, after him and I were talking, uh, we got everybody else involved here. Um, and I, I, you know, I started out with, you know, having two brains going at it and then now five, uh, at first it was different trying to, you know, it, everything was based off of what either my buddy or I said. Um, and then now with everybody else, it, I didn't know how I felt about it at first, but, you know, I, I've kind of stepped back a little bit 
and having these guys on is, you know, it's a blessing. I mean, we've accomplished so much already within the first couple of years. And, you know, we got Ben, camera guy, Noah, the star of the videos, <laughs> and, and Ryan with the humor. Um, but yeah, I mean, Luke's just here. Yeah, they, hey, well, I Luke's just here. Hunt, all right, <laughs> he's producer. Luke does he we does coordinate the, a lot. The Latvian Eagle. We got Squirrely Luke. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he's honestly he's like the scheduler. He's like, hey, we're gonna hunt this day. We're gonna film this day. I mean, it's it just been it's been fun. You know, everybody has a role and some type of position in it that helps us move yeah. forward. And, and we all complement each other very well. Yeah, I think where things are where some guys might lack, other guys shine, and we're able to pull kind of the best out of everybody. And we're yeah. all able to kind of highlight the area that we all grew up in. For example, Noah is an amazing wild game cook, and <laughs> that is. What, that's how he got started because it's. Ryan kind of introduced me to him. I knew him, but like he was like older than me. So I knew he liked cooking wild game. I approached him. I was like, Hey, how'd you feel about filming some like cooking wild game for YouTube? And he was like, yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So that's how we came up with primal plate, which our first video, which is our best video. He cooked up deer liver and it was absolutely it was good. Yeah. It was fantastic. Really? Yeah. But yeah, we filmed that um a little less than a year ago. I think it was May yeah. of last yeah. year. And we didn't even post it until September. And so we have just since September just created or we've created a lot, but we've grown so much. Um, but that I feel like that was sort of like not i wouldn't say a genesis moment but that's when we really were like we're gonna make full-length videos and start really working hard at making more than just an instagram post like actual youtube content educational content uh stuff beyond just like you know a picture of someone with a nice deer or whatever yeah yeah it's kind of like a it we're not like a meat eater like type of level but we're kind of that bridge of like uh like a smaller content creator that just enjoys being in the outdoors enjoys just showing the true moments of the outdoors and trying to bridge that gap from like a youtuber to like a netflix meat eater series and trying to balance it with humor and education yeah Yeah, and the nice thing is like when you get a group of guys together like what you guys have formed here there's no limit to the production value of that. You know, like you said, you've got all of your different parts that you play. You've got the comedy, you've got the education, you've got Luke, who's just there. I mean, you guys are, you guys are ready to go. Hey, I'm a good shot. All right. Uh, All right. I don't know about that. I've seen run away from you. You guys have to have bets going consistently, right? I mean, like who catches the biggest fish, who's the better shot or, do you guys not compete Most like that? Bet, like how many times Luke's going to get worked up? <laughs> get worked up. Yeah, he get, gets worked up and then half hour later, he's like, you know, I still feel good about today. Yeah, Mr. Optimism. <laughs> There's an over under on the Mr. Optimism. We were just up in Minnesota ice fishing. Oh, uh, I don't even know if I should. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a little embarrassing because we were up there in September and had some of the best luck we've ever had, like fishing like incredible we were limited out almost by the like end of the morning well so we're like the same lakes we're like all right 
it's going to be a great time. We partnered with Hummingbird. They sent us some products. So we're like, we got a nice uh, fish finder and everything. So we would, we're like, first day, we kind of just took it as a test day. Second day, we're like, all right, we're going to hit it hard. We're going to be ready to get on the ice, get some fish. And we would wash the fish, come up to the lure. We would then watch them turn around and swim right back away. And we left. We were probably on the ice for, what, 36 hours? Oh, yeah. oh, at Three least. Three or four days we were there. Oh, and we left with a three-inch minnow. And yeah. <laughs> it was a whale. It's the smallest whale I've ever oh. seen. It was, just, we had one bluegill though. Yes. Like it, it was it was heartbreaking. <laughs> Don't forget about <laughs> And you just you sit there and you know if if you're jigging or whatever, you see it come in. So you don't want to stop jigging because obviously you're attracting it in. So you're like, okay, I'm not gonna change anything. I'm not gonna change anything. Comes up, you feel a little nibble, and then just swims off. <laughs> and it was so disheartening. Oh yeah. And it's it's crazy now that. You almost kind of want to go back to the simple fish finder that you have before, because right. then you don't know what's down. Yeah, there. yeah. You yeah. know, now you can see all these giant ass streaks coming across, right? So your lure and then gone. Yeah, the, the live. See, that's the thing. When you know yeah. they're there and you're not catching them, it makes you feel like a terrible fisherman. Oh, same yeah. thing with we, deer. We, you oh, know, if you're yeah, getting yeah, deer yeah. all the time on trail camera, but you can't get an arrow in one, yeah, you're we, like, dude, I suck at this. Whereas if you don't know, know that they're not there, it's just like, oh, there's no deer around here. Yeah, yeah. We, we tried wax worms, oh, uh, minnows, yeah. lures, jigs. We went and bought a lot of stuff from Fleet Farm just to try everything because we were like, we're going to catch something. Yeah, I think at one point we had five or six different poles in the water with <laughs> a different lure or a mixture of something on, and there would be a fish that would go straight past. We threw, <laughs> we threw protein bars down yeah. as bait. <laughs> licorice. licorice. We were trying See, everything. that's the thing. They were full from that stuff, so they yeah. just yeah. they didn't yeah. want any of your real bait. And and with Ben being there, he's kind of crazy when it comes to uh, trying to get the best shot ever. He has a GoPro. It's the newest GoPro, <laughs> decides to tie fishing line to it and drops it through the hole to get to the bottom to see if he could see any of the fish. He saw one walleye, obviously yeah. it wasn't biting our pole, but this man's crazy when it comes to that. Dude, buddy. I love that idea. Did you, <laughs> yeah. did you like Bluetooth it to your phone so you could see it live or did you have to look at the footage after? We had to look at it after. It was just a little too deep for that, but okay. yeah, it was it was pretty cool to see something totally different. So. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, not- imagine putting that down there and seeing like something wild, just like a freak animal you've never seen, or like a body or a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we were there uh, back in September, or actually, we were there back in June. And in the same bay that we were fishing in when we were ice fishing, we saw a muskie go by that's tail was the size of my head. And Jeez. so we knew that it was in that same area, like it's probably in that area somewhere. And so I was just waiting for it to just go by. And I was like, yeah, I remember we were on the boat. Like my biggest thing, I haven't caught a muskie yet. I've had had a muskie on the line, but didn't get it in the boat. Yeah, And, you know, so I I just have this ultimate goal to catch me a muskie. Um, So my brother last year in June, we were up there and this was the big muskie and my brother's reeling in. And I didn't know what to say. And, and then he just started fumbling his words. He's like, musky. <laughs> and I, I look over and I, my jaw dropped. I mean, this was the biggest fish that I have seen with my eyes from freshwater. Uh, it, it was, I mean, five years ago, somebody caught a 44 inch musky up there. 
And you this know, it, everything. Oh yeah. It, it makes you think like how big really, like how big was that? Cause it was definitely the size of my body. It was probably huge. Oh, they get bigger every time I hear about it. Yeah. It's huge, man. Yeah. Dude, and, that's what we do every time a bird gets away, like a duck. If we, sh if, if like a single comes in and somehow we miss it, we're all like, dude, that one was double banded. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know it was double banded. Yep. 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 The one that got away. You, you heard the tinging, but no, nothing dropped. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how do you guys decide these trips? I mean, uh, Luke, I know they said you're kind of producer scheduler. So who comes up with this stuff? Yeah. So <laughs> basically I'm thinking like, oh, what, what season is in right now? So like right now it's coyote. Um, so we've been doing a lot of that. And then it's also snow geese goose season happening right now, which we need to get out and try, but just kind of been busy with other things. But um, kind of depends on what season it is and kind of just coordinating and making sure that Ben can be here because he lives in central Nebraska and kind of coordinating with all of us guys when we can all be there. And then we'll go off of that schedule. Um, it's a lot of coordination, but I enjoy it. I mean, if He's they're not play. going, I'm going. Yeah. And I don't like going by myself. So, yeah. It's kind of like we talked earlier. Like, we just, we want to do it all. So, it's like, what yeah. can we realistically do? Like, we we had someone take us coon hunting with a dog um, a month or two ago, which was a way cool experience. None of us have coon hunted over a dog. Um, and it was just this local kid that we know that always likes our videos. And so, um, we kind of asked him to take us and he was super happy. And so, like, um there's just an opportunity we took and if we go snow goose hunting it's going to probably be a similar situation where we just find someone willing to take us um but then we also have each of our own things that we're most interested in um like the coyotes like i've always loved coyote hunting i've got a lot invested into it with thermal scopes and stuff so we've been getting into that um we spent a lot of time catfishing on the river this summer i bought a boat because I, I like catfish too um and so it's just kind of whatever we're all interested in noah loves to waterfowl and so like i i don't even know if i water i think we went one you and me went two hunting one time was all the waterfowling yeah. i did with you this year um just because that's not really my strong suit not that i don't like it it's just like you it's a time commitment yeah a lot of money too yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but i think that's what really kind of how the the page is really kind of taken on a mind of its own and how 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 you have five or six different minds with all five or six different passions within the same community and the same passion, you really get to highlight everything that goes on in our area. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that really want to get out to big game hunt, but financially it's just not, it's not viable for some people to get these out of state tags. So it's what we try to do is try to highlight everything that's available for the average Joe in Southwest Iowa or within the Midwest itself to to be able to go out and enjoy you know there used to be these you, you have deer season in the fall and then it was dead season from december until september started hitting i mean and now we got to the point where we're turkey hunting in the spring we're catfishing we're bow fishing in the summertime we're doing all sorts of waterfowl hunting we're going to try and get start getting to goose hunting so it's it's something that we've able been able to really highlight a ton of different aspects of and i think everybody here has something they love just a little bit more in the hunting field that we can all kind of talk on. And it's, it's really helped with, with building Midwest outdoor chasers. Yeah, well, and I feel like you notice that in, in hunting media all over the place right now. I mean, it used to be 
you'd see guys and they'd be the whitetail guys. You'd see the other guys, they'd be the waterfowl guys. And now, I mean, even look at Lee and Tiffany, you know, they're going out and doing Kodiak hunts. They're going out and elk hunting, they're mule deer hunting. And it's not like, obviously the bulk of their content is always going to be monster whitetail, but you see them branching out meat eater, same thing. It's like, they're highlighting all of these different things. And that's where me as a podcaster, I was like, I don't, everyone's like, you got to pick something. You got to pick something to be like your thing. Like if you want to be the walleye guy, if you want to be the waterfowl guy, if you want to be the turkey guy. And I'm like, I'm not that though. I'm not going to do that. And they're like, dude, I'm telling you, it's not going to work unless you do this. And I was like, well, I'm going to try it anyways, because I'm not going to give up everything else. Just a turkey hunt. Like I would, there's nothing that I'm that passionate about to where I'd shelf everything else just to pursue it. And yeah. that's when I started saying, listen, we cover everything from frog gigging to moose hunting. And <laughs> people are like, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm like, if you would have told me I was going to do that when I was a kid, I'd be like, I don't even know what a frog. Well, I knew what a frog was, but as far as edible frogs, no idea. Yeah. Well, I think for us too, is we really want to celebrate the Midwest where we live. Um, people think it's, you know, a lot of flyover States and, and granted, yeah, the mountains are amazing and we don't have that. Our oceans are awesome, but there's a lot of really cool stuff to be done here. Um, like our DNR in Iowa is awesome. Uh, I think with the habitat that they put in. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunity here that we want to, to showcase, um, you know, like Luke and I went and caught a turtle, uh, last summer so we could show cooking it up on our you know for our cooking videos um we have uh this idea or like sort of a hashtag what are we going to call it called lust life we have some shirts that we sell on our website this is we're in the lust hills which are unique to our area so we just want to like celebrate here you know cornfields and muddy rivers and whatever but yeah. to us it's like it's our favorite thing yeah and it it, it really does help that i mean we've all been here our whole lives. I mean, I've known Noah, I've known both Noah's and Luke since I was a kid and Ben, Ben's come on in the last four or five years, but it's just, it's really cool to be able to share the lifestyle with a bunch of guys that you've known your whole life and someone that, that can capture it to a T too. I mean, having been here has been able to, uh, to kind of articulate exactly what we do and, and, and the, the lifestyle that the Midwest brings. And it's, it's been a lot of fun to to showcase that through some of the videos that we've done and not only being serious and, you know, chasing large animals or the biggest fish or the, the biggest bird, banded burns, whatever. It's 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 to show that, you know, you don't have to have all the, the sponsors and the money to go out and enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to you got to get creative with the content you share and the entertainment side of it when you spend 36 hours on the ice and catch a three inch minnow. So they it's do. like, you got to have yeah. some people who can tell stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, there was a lot of stories told. There was that. A, lot of story. a lot of beer drinking, a lot of stories told. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of laughs though. So yeah. it was still a good trip. It was, yeah. I enjoyed that trip. I mean, we didn't catch anything, but I'm, I'm going to remember that trip for the rest of my yeah. life. I think cool. that goes to the heart of like, why we're in it is because we're not here just to kill animals. We're not here just to like get the biggest creature that's out in the forest or on in the water. It's we're here for the memories. We're here for the stories and for truly um, just soaking in the, the earth that we're on and uh, the beauty of what God's created. So yeah. 
sorry. Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, I think for all of us, um, yeah, you know, knocking an animal over is awesome, but like we we do it to connect to nature, to to take part in like the natural cycle. And that's why um, we do the cooking thing to like show like we're not just out there just to knock bodies over like we want to then take and, and take that deer and turn it into something really good beyond just like steaks or whatever yeah. or a turtle or fish or whatever we end up cooking like we want to experience the whole cycle of going out into the wild and taking something and turning it into something that keeps us alive i mean you know obviously you don't need to eat wild game to stay alive but in reality that's what on some level what we're doing is getting our own food and taking part of that natural cycle yeah reconnecting to the roots yeah it's, I think it's, it's been going on for since the beginning of time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's been really fun to tell that story you know it's with with primal plate we've been able to kind of keep it full circle and and keeping it as as lighthearted as we can with you know not going out to 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 fill the walls but to fill the freezer you know, and, and to show that a sustenance lifestyle with, within the, within the outdoors is, is fully capable. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable for us and we'd like to, to, to kind of portray that as best we can. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to get out there and connect to creation. And I tell people that all the time, like when you, when you go from being a, a camper or a hiker or whatever to someone who's out there pursuing game animals, whether it's fish or upland birds or big, uh, big game, like you are becoming part of the food chain. You're not, you're no longer an observer. That's what you do when you go out there and you, you just hike around or you get on a kayak, not knocking any of that stuff. I love hiking and floating and climbing and all of that, but you're an active participant in the natural order of things when you're actually out there catching your food, foraging, killing animals, like it adds a whole different element. And Luke, like what you were saying, we've been doing it since the beginning of time. I have people all the time ask me like, what is it about this? You're obsessed. And I'm like, I think most people would be if they, if they got the taste for it, like if they just went out and experienced it because it's in all of our blood. I mean, aside from procreating, hunting and fishing and gathering is the longest standing tradition of human beings, you know, like we've been doing it forever. And so once you get the taste of it, that's why people get hooked so quickly. You see people getting into it in their thirties and all of a sudden, like they sell everything else that they have. They're like, Oh, I don't need this anymore. I, I don't need to go golfing anymore. I'm going to buy as many shotguns and rifles and bows and pistols. And you know, the nicest tent, the nicest backpack because yeah it's in us it's in everybody and aside from those making political statements you know like they're they'd never admit to it but like there's that little bit of it in all of us that's kind of you know that's how we we have our name midwest outdoor chasers like a lot of people they ask us you know what where'd you get that name and it's more you know the chasers part is you know chasing the outdoors like that is just what what we love to do you you chase the outdoors meaning you chase the adrenaline uh you chase the thrill like you know it's just kind of chasers is kind of just like a bigger word for yeah. you know covers a bunch yeah. of things for us you, you are chasing game but you're chasing a lot more than that yes yeah. 
And I, I think you're exactly right, Dan. I think it is in all of us. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been out, you know, freezing or roasting in the sun or just suffering and thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> like I would be so much money ahead to just buy my meat from the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I, I can't not do this. Yeah. I just can't not do it. I would never be happy. I would never be satisfied. It's, it's like, to me, going hunting feels emotionally as important as going to work. Like, it's like you just have to i have to do it to be who i am i would be just denying to stay myself. happy yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. kind of my therapy too yeah. kind of gets you out of it's surpassed that that notion of being a passion at this point it's, yeah it's uh <laughs> a it's an it's an instinct it's a lifestyle that that just comes naturally i mean it's it's you, you talk to a bunch of people that have never been never done it they've never hunted and they don't quite understand where the the happiness lies in it and it's not so much as a happiness it's just more of a, a, a satisfaction. It's, it's a satisfaction it's where you were meant to be you know it's it's providing for yourself it's providing for your family and it's also uh, a way to connect back to your roots i mean it's it really is it's i mean you, you can just tell like whenever we go out hunting you know every one of us are in the best mood yeah and it could be three o'clock in the morning and yeah it's and... just it's fun you yeah know, you, you get up early you either shoot something or you don't Either way, we're still happy. Yeah. Yeah. Really with memories. Yeah. 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 And yeah. It's, all- it's, it's pretty crazy. The <laughs> just that level of uh, excite, just the way your mood changes altogether when you're out there. And it's funny because my wife comments on that all the time. I get home or like my buddies' wives will be like, dude, why do you let him go hunting so much? And she's like, he's a different person when he comes home. Like, mm-hmm. He comes back so happy, so excited, so engaged with the kids, with me. And not that I'm like a total D-bag all the other times, but like there's something about it. It's refreshing. And and then on top of that, you know, the opportunity to bring home food. It it hurts me when I buy a steak at the store. I haven't bought a steak from the store in a long time. We'll still buy meat, like certain types of meat here and there. But the steak, man, I'm like, dude, I... I should have killed more this year. Like I could have that already. I shouldn't be buying this from the store. And it's crazy. The, like the the want you have for game meat, once you've started eating it, like Mm. I I grew up like my, uh, my old man, we, we would, you know, shoot a couple deer in the fall and we'd eat occasionally on some ground or some loins that we'd taken off of it throughout the year, or they'd cut it with beef, but we would buy a half a cow every year and we would have hamburger steaks and roast throughout the entire year. And these last two years, I've taken enough deer in the fall to where I could eat on pretty much exclusively just whitetail for, you know, six months straight. And we just bought a cow here not too long ago. And the mouthfeel is just off once you once you go back to beef. It's just your palate kind of adapts back to that that gaminess and that that leanness to where beef just has an off taste now. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's fatty. It's it's it just feels heavier once you get back into that game meat style. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I, it's, it's hard to explain, man. And, it really is. And you don't know where that meat's been. No. Either. Yeah. You know, that deer that's, was sitting underneath that oak tree when you shot it. And that, yeah. Yeah. That mean that, you know, living in the Midwest and in Missouri too, not that that's not the Midwest, but <laughs> living here, you drive by a feedlot where there's 500, a thousand head of cattle standing in six inches of shit. And <laughs> like, you know, and that you're going to eat that. 
uh, that deer, when I shot it, was standing in, you know, some grass or whatever. And it's just way cleaner. And people, my wife works in the city um, and like she'll tell her coworkers how we eat a lot of wild game. They're like, that's disgusting. How do you eat that? And it's like, this is way better than what you're eating. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, guys, I'm excited to introduce the new age of accessing private property for hunting and fishing with Infinite Outdoors. I joined the Infinite Outdoors crew on a duck hunt in Colorado this fall, and the experience was unmatched. We were able to book the property right on their app, get directions to the blind, and had the whole place to ourselves, all for a super reasonable price. Infinite Outdoors has developed a unique way to combine conservation, technology, and private land access all through their U.S. built app and website. By working closely with landowners and on-staff biologists, they aim to bring you the best parts of accessing private land at the touch of a finger. They provide adventures for big game, turkeys, waterfowl, fly fishing, upland birds, small game, predators, and more. As yearly leases get more expensive and secluded public land gets harder to find, I believe this is the way of the future. To check it out for yourself, download the Infinite Outdoors app or visit infiniteoutdoorsusa.com and use code NOMADIC15 for 15% off your annual membership of $39.99. And, and you see that with... with like the new generation that's just getting out of high school, you know, there's a lot of people who have that interest in eating clean food. And you see a lot of people like, uh, I was listening to the meat eater. I don't know if it was the trivia or an actual episode the other day, but they were talking about the bottom of the horseshoe, right? You've got like the extreme, right? You've got the extreme left. And then at the bottom of the horseshoe, you've got all of these like super redneck rancher dudes who are like, the government can't tell me what to do. And all the, super far left people are like, yeah, they can't tell me what to do either. And it's like, oh, we hate that processed food from the store. Hey, so do we. And there's like this commonality at the bottom of the horseshoe. And it's kind of interesting to see, like there's people that I knew in high school and college that I would have never guessed would hunt. And all of a sudden they're like, man, I got into hunting, man. It's just a great food source. It's, it's fun being out there. And I'm like, dude, you used to hate guns. I had a, I had a roommate in fact, right after college and it was funny he we had we had four dudes that lived in a one-bedroom apartment uh my brother slept on the couch he slept on the futon another guy slept in an unfinished basement downstairs that flooded every time it rained and then i got the only bedroom and uh the one guy brian he he came up to me one day i was cleaning my shotgun getting ready for for waterfowl season and he goes hey man any way you could put that any way you could put that away like it kind of makes me nervous that you have that out i'm like hell no i'm not putting this away like this is my apartment man like i'm gonna clean my shotgun right here in this chair years later he messages me he's like hey man i'm a guide up in alaska and i was like what he's like yeah dude i've been working for this guiding outfit for the last two seasons he's like i'm probably gonna go back again this year He's like, I only do it for a few months of the year, but it's awesome. Like we specialize in grizzly and moose. And I'm like, who are you, man? <laughs> like, you're not the same person. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, in that same vein is 
the amount of uh, revenue hunting generates to go back into conservation. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a, um, it's my cousin's wife, um, God lover, but well, we see things a little bit differently and we are talking about recycling once and she got kind of uppity, but anyways, um, I didn't say at the time, but I was like, I was kind of doing the math. I'm like, I bought tags and licenses in Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska, and Iowa that year. I spent like a couple thousand dollars that went right back into conservation, not to mention, um, you know, the, what is that? The Pittman Robertson tax or yeah. whatever on shooting goods that goes back into conservation. Um, and I'm just like, I know there's no way she's given nearly as much money back into the environment as I have. Um, so, you know, sorry, I tossed the occasional water bottle, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's the thing about hunting is, a lot of people don't understand that a lot of this money is going right back into the population and stuff Yeah, for all these. And if you look at the stats from like the sixties, I just saw a graphic this past week and all the hunting game and waterfowl and Turkey and deer, the population's drastically higher than what it was in the 60s oh yeah we're, we're lucky that we get to sit here and have a season at this point. I mean, there was a time, in the 1900s where virtually everybody was going out and, and taking all sorts of game out of the fields and, and the through conservation efforts and a hell of a lot of, of commitment, these, these agencies were able to bring back the Turkey populations and the yeah. deer populations and yeah. the pheasant. And it's been, it's been really great to see that, you know, you know, you might spend another $2 on your license every year or every other year, but, because of that, you're able to go out and utilize public ground and you're able to get better funding for some of these game agencies that that are, are that have the same exact mindset that you have. And they're they're out there because they want to see these these populations of animal flourish and to, to yeah. continue with the, the hunting season. Well, in reality, then we put a premium on these wild animals was to hunt them. It's not so that, you know, the occasional hiker can observe them. It's was so we can hunt them. So it's sort of like uh, I think some ignorant people have the idea that hunters want to eliminate animals off the landscape, which is the exact opposite of what we want to do. Yeah. We want as much as there possibly can be so that we can go take a few here and there. Yeah. And and so that's, you know, people who don't understand hunting, they don't get that. And no. the, the good that hunting does for the environment. Yeah. And I've had yeah. a good amount of people come into my house and, and they'll see the deer heads, the turkey fans on the wall, and they'll say, you know, well, is that the only reason that you guys go out is because you guys want to fill wall space? And, you know, it, if I do get to fill wall space, that's that's that fantastic. Plus, that's, yeah. great. that's what I, I want to do. But at the same time, they're not looking on the back end. And that one deer, you know, provided for my family for two months. And right. it's yeah. it, it's 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 a full circle thing. It's, it's we're not out there because we enjoy killing. We're out there because we enjoy being reconnected to where where we all came from. I, I well, think it's cool to it's cool to hunt with people that haven't been out there before and they might have this preconceived idea of what a hunter is, you know. Like we're all bloodthirsty rednecks wearing uh Confederate flag tuxedos out there firing AR15s into crowds of every animal we can see, right? Like there's people who actually have this wild mo- thought of what we are as hunters. And then you go out there with some some people, like I try to I make it a point to hunt with 20 new people each year. And a lot of these people are like, holy cow, 
like this is crazy this is like this is spiritual almost and i'm like hmm. yeah it is 100 percent. i'm not out here like i sit i watch more animals than i shoot every year and sitting there and connecting and being like oh hey check this out like here's a here's an armadillo walking through the field i mean I don't know why I chose an armadillo. I do see them quite a bit down here in Missouri, but <laughs> you know, like you'll see an animal and you're like, Hey, that's pretty cool. This, this spring I saw a river otter, never saw one, uh, in this area at all. In fact, it was the tiniest little Creek next to where I was Turkey hunting. And I was like, man, that is the coolest thing. And when you can share those experiences with people, they're like, dude, you have a reverence for these animals and for the outdoors that I, I didn't know existed. And I'm like, you could go to almost any county in the country, find some redneck dude, and you'll watch him have that same experience, have that same reverence for the animal, for the outdoors. It's not a bloodthirst. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, the adrenaline's pumping. Yeah, we might hoot and holler when we shoot something. But at the end of the day, it is so much more than that trigger pull and the animal dying. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, back to the, you know, the point you made about people walking in and be like, is that all you do? And, you know, it's kind of, you know, every, you know, every animal that you have, you know, on the walls, it, it tells a story. Like you will remember the exact story to that animal yeah. and you get, you know, you get a, a big hunter walking in, they're going to be like, oh, that's a nice deer. What, what's the story behind this one? And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a way to reconnect yourself with that animal. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's better than just, you know, taking the meat, throwing it out. I mean, yeah. you're actually displaying like, Hey, this, this is my trophy. Like yeah. I, it's, you're, you're celebrating the animals that, that you exactly. have. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it, they call it trophy hunting and trophies kind of a, a loose term. It's, it's a celebration. It's a, it's Call a memento. It's a memento. Yeah. There we go. TM patent pending. Well, it, it'd be, the equivalent of you walking into one of their houses and seeing a picture of them with their kids at Disneyland and being like, what, you only went to Disneyland so you could have a picture on the wall? <laughs> and they're like, no, like we went there for the memories. We went there to build a relationship with our kids. We went there to relax. And it's like, that's what this skull is. That's what this shoulder mount is. That's what this taxidermy is. Like it is just a memory and a tangible thing long after the meat's gone that I can still walk past, I can touch, I can show my friends and be like, Hey, this is the story. Yeah. And that's, that's all it is. And yeah, some people there's, there's bad apples in every bunch, right? There's people out there who are just terrible for the environment, terrible for wildlife. And their whole goal is to just kill everything. And there's poaching rings that are busted every year. So I'm not saying that there aren't those people out there, but it makes a very, very, very small percentage yes. of, yeah, of but hunters. That small percentage is unfortunately what gets highlighted. Yeah. yeah. So it's puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth. It does. And I, I don't know about you, but it's it seems like in the last few years, it's it's started to become a little bit more acceptable. And I don't know if acceptable is the right word to use, but it's become a lot more. Poetry is acceptable, or hunting is acceptable. Not poaching. Okay. Not poaching. <laughs> that that the outdoor lifestyle that hunting is a little yeah. bit more in not Primal. mainstream, but it's a little bit more well known. Well and I better understood. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think you're necessarily at least in our part of the world, we we definitely make up a very small demographic of the entirety of the country. 
Uh, we live in a very rural setting, you know, 20 minutes from a, a, a small city, but a, but far enough away to where you're pretty secluded. And you the, the community that we've grown up in, it, it, it's pretty accepting. It's it's a way of life for most families around here. I mean, it's it's hard pressed not to find some someone living in the community that doesn't have some connection to hunting, fishing or whatever. But I do think that, you know, thanks to the introduction of podcasts like this, Meat Eater and and all sorts of other big name individuals that are are making it a little bit more artistic. It's it's helped to kind of alleviate that bridge that's that's been gapped for so long because it was either you're an asshole or you're a non-hunter and there's no in between. And now it's it's a little bit more there, there's a smaller gap there, I think. I heard well, and like you guys said, it's more of you guys are highlighting the story. You're telling stories. I mean, that's what you're doing. And it's not just about the kill. Yeah. yeah. I heard a stat, I think, on the Meter podcast where it was something like, I don't know, less than 10% of the American population hunts, but it has like over 90% people are okay with it. Um, and so, like, I think a lot, most people do kind of understand what's going on. But I, I also think there's been a shift in, in my lifetime, um, in like the last 20 years away from trophy hunting to the story, the conservation aspect of it. Like, even if you just look at outdoor television, like 20 years ago versus now where like all they were doing is knocking over big bucks and yeah. big elk and whatever. And like, no one's shooting does, no one's shooting cows. You know, it's all about the biggest and they're never getting skunked or if they get skunked, that does not get aired, oh, you know, yeah. and now yeah. you tell like the real story yeah. and like what what's actually going on. And I think that intrigues people a lot more. My father in law has no aspiration to hunt. He loves watching Meat Eater. He'll like when it they drop the new epi- new season on Netflix, he's texting me he's like, you see Meat Eater yet? Um, and so, like, I think people can relate to that even if they don't hunt. Yeah. I think for us, that's where it goes into like where we also started Bighorn Productions is the creative side of it. I have a very creative background in photo and video and that kind of content creation. And so with getting connected with these guys, like my background in hunting, like my dad did hunt when I was younger and like I was always in the outdoors when I was a kid but I didn't just grow up hunting. Like we, my parents lived in the middle of York, which is the town that I'm in. Um, but we didn't have any hunting ground. We didn't do much in the outdoors, but like my grandparents owned farmland. I was always on the farm if I could be and like always in the woods and everything of that extent. And so then as I grew up through life and everything, and then I had a previous job that was mostly focused on sports and taught me how to like be very reactional or have a, have a very quick reaction time with capturing these moments that only happen for once in a lifetime. And then uh, I stepped away from that job and got in with these guys. And so it was, I was kind of in a transitional period of like, what do I want to do? Where's the Lord leading me in this? And then, met up with these guys and that first hunt was kind of like i'd already been out waterfowl hunting once or twice before that but seeing the atmosphere the group the camaraderie and the memories and the joy that it brought even though it was like we're suffering out in the freezing cold it's three degrees snowing we were all having a great time yeah 
And after, you know, seeing that first video that he made of us, it was like, it just felt so weird. But in my head, I'm thinking, we better not scare this guy off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's where like now where we're at is like we had Midwest Outdoor Chasers. We we're obviously wanting to capture that memory. And then it developed into also Bighorn Productions, where it's now like we we capture it full spectrum with like companies and brands, but we're also then capturing the moments and the memories that we're experiencing just in everyday life. And so it's kind of a cool dynamic of both sides of the spectrum. But so with him being on the camera, that doesn't mean he's a bad shot because we went out (laughs) into the sand Hills in Nebraska with my cousin to hunt mallards. And this boy put down, we limited out and he had his, license just because he's like well if we limit out i'll shoot well he put down the camera after we limited out i'm not kidding he probably missed twice and he limited it boy he got what was it five mallards this dude is a good shot you know yeah because he's he's always putting the camera right on (laughs) no dude I, i i'm curious about this now because my buddy tony he's a videographer and he's done all kinds of big things, but best shot that I know. And <laughs> for real, I mean, he's a he's an amazing shot. My other buddy Isaac, really good shot, also a videographer. And so I'm kind of curious well, now. You we know, need to, we uh, need to do uh, like a like the hunter versus the cameraman. Yeah, like just do a side by side shootout. Well, you know, he we're might hand us the camera. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> well, you know, we're us videographers, photographers, we're still tracking with you guys as you guys are tracking with a rifle. And so it's the same movement. We're just we're pulling a different trigger, <laughs> capturing that moment. That's cool. Oh, so that's man. Yeah, I try cool. to I try to film stuff and it doesn't go well. Like I think about the, the, what it takes to actually get that animal on camera. Not only like you have to track it, get it set up, the camera set up. I mean, if you're self filming, especially get it set up to where you get it in frame with the shot, then you have to immediately go from like, Oh my gosh, I just shot this animal to you. Nope. Got to grab the camera, track the animal again, watch it go through the woods, do whatever. And I'm like, I don't know how these guys do it. Like, I really don't. Roller I try to film my nephew the this only, year. The only difference for Ben with the camera is it, it has no recoil. That's a yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's a good point. But, I mean, I, I can't imagine how how much practice, how much experience it takes to to be good at that. Exactly what you're saying, tracking that animal. Or, like, watching a bird, and then all of a sudden, boom, it gets shot out of the sky, and then you're following it down until it hits the water. I'm like, you guys are wizards, man. Well, you know that, you know how sometimes, you know, you pu- you pull up your binos and you're like kind of moving it around a little bit to see where the animal is, yeah. you know, same, the same yeah. thing, you know, it's you got a scope binos. on your gun, <laughs> you can just pull right up, it's a but <laughs> with him, with the camera, he's got his little screen, he's got to put it right on him. So he's already pointing right at the animal. And he is kind of the best eye sometimes too. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All the time he's, he's like, oh, there's a coyote, yeah. there's a deer. Yeah, there's whatever we're after. Heck, you guys almost got ran over the don't, other. Don't, yeah, don't put another gun in his hand. He <laughs> he, he, be he's like, there's a <laughs> by that billboard over there, and I'm like, what billboard? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. My wife always gives me a hard time about that. Like the other day, 
uh, I was driving, we were driving back from South Carolina and there were two deer about, they probably were eight or 900 yards back in this field. And I'm like, Oh, there's a couple deer. And she's like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I told you to grab this out of the bathroom for me the other day and you couldn't find it. And it was sitting right on the counter. And now you can see a deer while you're driving 75 miles an hour at 800 yards. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I guess I don't really care about, you know, your razor on the counter. Just had had your priority straight, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, that's going to bring me food. Me yeah. picking up your makeup bag off the counter doesn't do anything for me. And it's going to bring her food too. What the yeah, exactly. That for you. Yeah. you should be thanking me that I'm good at this. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. let you yeah. tell her that I'm yeah. going to stick out of that. One. <laughs> oh no, this is coming straight from you guys. I'm going to edit this. <laughs> what you guys don't know is I'm really good with Photoshop and post-production. No. So it's going to be your mouth saying all of these things. Get some deep bake. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, if you've been listening to the podcast, I'm sure you've heard me talk about the helicopter hog hunt that I did down in Texas. Now I went down there with Rogue Texan Outfitters and Landon and Brandon, the owners, put us on the animals. We killed 150 pigs and 19 coyotes just from the air. On top of that, we went out thermal hunting at night and got up close and personal to more hogs. I didn't have to worry about bringing guns or ammunition because all of that was provided for me. And it is to this day the most action-packed day of hunting I've ever had. I stand by what I've said in the past, and that's that helicopter hog hunting is the funnest thing that you can do with pants on. In addition, they offer sandhill crane hunts and predator calling. So if you're looking for the most exciting hunt of your life and something that you're going to want to come back and do year after year, go check out roguetexan.com and book your hunt today. What do you guys have coming up? Going coyote hunt tonight. Um, we've gotten a couple kills on camera, so we'll be putting that video together pretty soon, I would imagine. Um, snow goose, hopefully. Then turkey um, coming up this spring. Um, probably at least three. Are you getting turkey tags? Yeah. So four of us will have turkey tags. So we'll do some filming of that. Um, probably some catfish. Yeah. Catfish. Yeah, catfish. Summertime. Right. Bow fishing. Yeah, we have some new series that we'll probably try to be working on on the channel. So that's kind of exciting to be in development for that. So hopefully those will release here soon. Yep. Keeping so, up with the primal plate. Yeah, definitely with the cooking video and the cooking aspect side. We of got it. some in the in the oven already. It's funny how you. Pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny how this filming everything you do works because like. Just because we have the videos out now doesn't mean that's the only stuff we have. Like we have 15 videos we can make, but we want to keep on putting videos into the arsenal. So when there are those slow times, you can put like a primal plate out yeah, and like stuff. When you spend 36 hours on the ice and don't catch anything. Yeah, ex- else exactly. <laughs> um, and hopefully turkey, tur- I'm excited for turkey because yeah. last year him and I went out and we actually have a film of us getting a double and uh it was crazy they ran in so long story short they were 300 yards away and on each side of my loves the story. yeah <laughs> on each side of my strutting tom decoy i put screws into it and then put fishing line on both sides so i could roll that out dude i love it man redneck engineering and i, and I, and I would move that back and forth 
they came they came running in come here big like i mean i've never seen turkeys run that fast from 300 yards away oh and it was impressive we actually got what close to four hundred thousand views on instagram because we put it to the um the office the office when they're doing cpr or when there's a fire (laughs) oh yeah it's happening it's happening it's happening (laughs) yeah man you had the first twerking tom yeah that's that's awesome put that on tiktok yeah yeah (laughs) tom twerking luke but yeah no like i don't know so i'm excited for turkey hunting yeah turkey i think turkey season's gonna be pretty promising it, in the last few years, it's kind of seemed like the turkey numbers have been lacking, at least when we've been out, because I'll do late season muzzleloader here in Iowa, and I know Noah does too, and it just seems like this last year I've seen more turkeys than I have in the last 10 years. So it's it's super promising for the spring to come up. I think we're going to have a lot of luck. So we got some honey holes now picked out. I'm that, seeing some big beards too. Yeah, yeah, and I've already Man. seen them the strut too. So I'm I'm getting kind of I'm getting kind of antsy. Yeah, I just got a couple on camera yesterday. Uh, they came through at like 10 a.m. and I was like, dude, those are some ropes. I've been seeing like you said a ton of birds. Yeah, and it it's crazy because if you actually look at the numbers it shows that turkey numbers are down all over the place. Yep. But for some reason, when I talk to people, they're like, dude, there's turkeys everywhere. There's turkeys everywhere. Yeah, so I don't you, know what it is. I don't know where that disconnect is. You're really starting to see some of those flocks of 20 plus yeah. that are, that are out in the fields rather than the, the one or two, maybe five scragglers that you're seeing. It's there's, I think I saw a group of 50 the other morning. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, we were out for a shoot here just recently and it was, <laughs> end of december and we saw a group of 50 plus just chilling and then we were back out a few weeks later and we like we pulled up to this field that we hunt and we got out of the truck and they were just up chilling about 450 yards out and didn't have any cares in the world there are probably 20 of them just sitting there like the the dumbest bird until you go to kill them yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, they know it i mean all animals know i had a bird I wasn't even hunting anymore. Well, I was walking out of the woods, but I was almost back to the house. This bird was two properties away and saw me walking through the field and took off running. I watched it <laughs> sprint like a freaking velociraptor across that field. And I'm like, dude, what? It, I'm not even like, I'm not even going towards it either. I'm like walking kind of quartering away from it. And I just happened to see it and it was booking it. It's, Definitely interesting how animals react because we've been out coyote hunting uh, oh, quite a bit this yeah. year. And it has like we have like we've had decent luck. We've gotten a few coyotes so far, but we were out Sunday night and first property we sat, like nothing. It was dead silent. Wind was heavy. We went to the next property. Wind was dead still. We were we went to the bottom of this terrace originally and had the call probably 25 yards out to our right everything and then we were like all right let's move up to the top of the terrace and it was freshly dug out from behind so there was like a pretty good dip behind it like hit us really well like only our heads were above the terrace so it was like perfect like hiding yeah yeah and i'm sitting there and i got the camera i'm like kind of trying to get a different angle different shot while we're waiting and i just hear this rustling off to my left and it was down below the terrace 
And I was like, what is that? Is that like just a field mouse running? Is like, it's something, but I didn't know what it was. And I like peek over and I just see this creature go darting past at top speed. And I was like, what in the world? And in the matter of like three seconds, I made out that it was a Kyle. It hit the call, turned around, started coming right at us. <laughs> I turned to Noah. I'm like, hey, like to your right. And like, it's within eight to he 12 foot. not that calm. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like I saw in the back, like by the time that I had time to process it, and see what it was it had time to hit the call and it was coming right at us it was actually three of them yes he, and he's like what was that and i and i look and like i see like three shadows and then they kind of went behind the terrace and i like sprint up leaning over the terrace and they're kind of trotting off and i kind of howled with my mouth and one stopped and i shot it and the other two booked it out of there but like they just came charging and snuck right underneath of us until they figured out what the call was and then they were getting out of there Dang. it was yeah, it was cool. It was like I it was one of the first times like coyote hunting that I've ever had that happen. And then the rest of the night was just like electric with different calls, was seeing them. There's a certain point at like 12 a.m. We probably had 15 to 20 just around us, like full 360 coyote calls just yeah, going off. Just like a group in every and direction howling at us. It was nuts. Jeez. It was super cool. So it's one of those things that like you're definitely on high alert after that because like yeah. we're both looking through through thermal scopes and you're not paying attention to what's right underneath your nose and then all of a sudden something pops up like <laughs> right in your lap and you're like oh all right we gotta be aware so <laughs> dang that's awesome well uh we're coming up on time but we do have a little we've got about 10 minutes left of this one and i think it'd be cool I don't think I've ever asked this question in a group setting like this, but we're going to go around and say, if there is one thing you could hunt top of the bucket list, what's the species location and weapon you're using? Ooh. Oh, I've got it. You're up. I, uh, I've always had the pipe dream of doing a bighorn ram hunt. I, I honestly don't have like a location that I would be ideal I've always loved Colorado. I've hunted in Colorado, but I've always loved Colorado and Wyoming. I'd love to draw there, and that's that's a, a a terrible pipe dream because those those tags are so hard to come by. But I shot my first elk with my grandpa's seven mag, and I would like to take that along with me. So Dang, that'd be cool. I would that that's a pipe dream that I've always wanted to do. But uh, yeah, I do I do a big horn with my grandpa's seven mag. I got one. Um, since the cameraman, <laughs> he would take his camera. I'll, I'll film myself. You know, I got <laughs> so I got <laughs> hacks. <laughs> um, I'm a Nebraska native, so I have that lifetime tag with elk, and so putting in for that and trying to get that tag, I think, would be incredible. Um, and would be something very cool to film and document, and just yeah, be experience that. So, well, dude, if you... you get that tag, I got the guy to talk to. Okay. Yeah, I've got right. I've got a buddy who drew that Nebraska tag two years ago now, three years ago maybe. I think he oh. shot a seven by eight, just a <laughs> monster. I mean, an absolute tank. Yeah, some of the elk in Nebraska are just beyond unbelievable. So yeah, it's... <laughs> a Yukon moose. Yes. That now would, we're talking. That's my dream. 
caliber, anything to be able to kill it. So <laughs> something like that. I don't know what caliber. Seven mil. Seven mil. Three away. Yeah. yeah. Some big. Anything, but that is my dream hunt. I've told that to my wife. I don't know since we've gotten married. That's I'm my dream older. hunt. She said, "Yeah, <laughs> if we have money to do it." Oh, yeah. well, that's <laughs> a big caveat. Wonder if she'll surprise me. Get your checkbook out, man. But no, that that is my dream. Hey, for real though, that's that's a more doable hunt than uh, a more doable and less expensive hunt than if you were to do a moose hunt in Colorado. By the time you actually draw the tag, the amount of points you'd put in, the amount of money you'd spend, I figured it out to where if if I'm lucky and draw it in 20 years of points, bare minimum, I'm going to be $4,500 into that hunt. And that's not counting gas. That's literally just preference points and the tag price once I draw it. Oof. Yeah. All right, Noah, you're up. Yeah, I want to do a uh, hunt the caribou migration. Oh, get cool. you know, do get dropped in on a float plane or whatever, and and hunt the, you know, I'm probably rifle. I don't know. I like bow yeah. hunting, but I'm not scared to use a rifle either. No, in that country, it might be beneficial to have a rifle with. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to have like a giant bull at 150 yards. You know, like if I'm going up there, like I'm not going to let 150 yards stop me. Yeah. No, but with how many caribou there are, you just lob it and one of them is going to take the arrow. Right? <laughs> yeah. you, you'd hit the calf behind the... Yeah, that'd be my... <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I'd, I'd probably like to shoot a red stag. I mean, I've, I've always thought those were pretty interesting, and I'd, I'd, I think that's up there on my list. That would be um, cool. I'd probably just use a 30 out 6 or something. You know, something simple, but yeah. Do you have a location? I don't. I anywhere. Just, yep, anywhere that has them. They've got they've got red stag or red deer all over the place. I didn't realize how common they were, and they are a wild animal. I mean, when you <laughs> see those antlers, holy cow! Yeah, it's like a miniature more, elk with crazy antlers. Horses that they make too is is kind of. I I just haunting. think I think it would be sweet. Oh like, yeah. It's it's different. Everybody, you know, there everybody always wants, you know, moose, elk, but who really says I've shot a red stag? You know, they're so vanilla. Man, yeah. that, those are those are all great. I hope you all get to do that. And you know, I'll probably get it I'll all probably be there filming it. So <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, you're gonna get to shoot everything just with a camera, and then you'll get yeah. to shoot yours. You're the only one who gets to do all five of these hunts. Yeah. <laughs> Well, sweet. Uh, before we hop off, where can people find you guys? Where can they connect with you on social, online, all that? So uh, Midwest Outdoor Chasers is on uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, all social media stuff. Uh, then, So we're trying to post pretty consistently for YouTube. Um, with that, we're doing full-length videos as well as primal plate videos. Um, Instagram, it's a lot more of just the shorts. Um fun, interactive reels, photos, kind of documenting the story of a year of hunts of like the journey that we're going through. Uh, a new channel that we have is Bighorn Productions, which is the production side of Midwest Outdoor Chasers and also some more of our commercial work that we do. And then, so, oh, did you say our website? Yeah. So both 
have websites and then bighorn productions is also on instagram it's starting on tiktok a little bit facebook and um both play both are really just playing hand in hand with each other and so is those are probably i don't know if i missed anything I'd just say if you go to the Midwest Outdoor Chasers website, you can buy a sweet shirt. <laughs> that or a sweet shirt or a sweatshirt. Both. Or sweatshirt. We, yeah, we, we got some merch. We also have blog posts that are on our website too. Yeah, we try to stay pretty consistent with blog posts. Uh Noah's a fantastic Noah B is a fantastic writer. Well, so uh, so are you, Ryan. He uh <laughs> we we try to stay consistent with the blog posts and Noah can kind of take a a simple hunt and make it uh uh, uh, in-depth story. I mean, it's, we, we kind of go hand in hand with educational stuff and, and storytelling. And I think we complement each other pretty well on that. Nice. Well, yeah, I'd encourage everybody to go check that out. And guys, if you're ever looking to branch out to a different state, I know it is still technically the Midwest. So you guys want to come down and get after some game animals, catch some fish, catch crawdads, frog gig. I don't care what. Let me know and uh, we'll make it happen. Let's do it. Absolutely. Just tell us when and where we'll be there. 